Hey there, welcome to Your Living Health. This is the podcast where we talk about real life strategies to reduce your chronic inflammation. Each episode, we're going to uncover tools for how you can lose weight and achieve optimal health. I'm your host, Carly Lucchese. I'm a UC Davis trained registered dietitian, and I'm also a life coach. So together, let's coach through the science of inflammation, but in a way that's simple, purposeful, and fun. You ready? Let's go. Hey there, welcome back. We are going to continue talking about kind of some of the common things that maybe uh, many of you have used in order to lose weight. So today's flavor of that is elimination diets. So how many of you out there have experimented with an elimination diet? I know many of you struggle with issues like IBS and bloating and diarrhea and kind of like generally feeling like crap after eating certain foods or just generally feeling like crap because you have this immune system that's just like on high alert all the time. And this may have led some of you to try an elimination diet at some point. So today I want to dive into some of the specifics of elimination diets and maybe shed some light on their potential benefits and highlight where you might have been accidentally misusing them, where it could be causing your body more harm than good. So I know I know not one of you starts any particular food plan with the intention of worsening your condition or mistreating your body. So I want to get really crystal clear on what you might have been doing that's causing the harm, that's maybe actually impacting negatively your results. And then let's then shift our focus and our efforts to where you're really going to be able to use an elimination diet and see the most beneficial results from it. So... What even is an elimination diet? And kind of the simple explanation of this is that it involves the deliberate exclusion of one or more foods from your regular eating routine. So elimination diets, they serve various purposes, but most of the time they are used intentionally by you guys to address food intolerances or to avoid foods that have been determined to be problematic, you know, from whatever trial and error in your past. But many of you are unintentionally using an elimination diet to reduce your calories or to try to eliminate some of your um, indulgent desires of those tasty foods in your life. And unfortunately, many weight loss programs that you've probably tried have heavily relied on an elimination diet for their results. And many of these companies, they're even to the extreme of an elimination diet that they push on you their own exclusive food products. So these programs, they claim that optimal results, they can only be achieved by consuming their, you know, special lab-tested completely unique food and drink that you have to have three to five times a day. And and maybe if you're lucky, you can have like a green salad on the side. And this is particularly evident in weight loss schemes like Optavia or medical weight loss services or ketones or different fad diets and more of these meticulously commercialized 
weight loss services. You, though, might have found yourself inadvertently following an elimination diet if maybe you developed more of a fear around certain foods because maybe in the past you had, you know, some gut pain or you got you had some puking or you got diarrhea. And, you know, I'm I'm right there with you because personally, I, I have never to this day had split pea soup after I puked on it one night. So um, some of us just like inadvertently follow an elimination diet because we're kind of scared of that thing or it just has this negative connotation in our life where we don't even desire it anymore. And similarly, many of you have likely experienced symptoms such as bloating and diarrhea and heartburn and lethargy, itchy skin, headaches, or any other of these discomforts. And then you have falsely associated them to maybe it was gluten or the beef that you had or dairy or nuts or any of the other foods that you just happened to recently consume. But when you try and you eliminate that particular food that you think was the culprit behind your symptom and then you continue to experience symptoms then you kind of shift into blame of another food then it's like well I guess beef's out and now dairy's out too or I guess beef's out and dairy and and now nuts too and pretty soon one food after another you keep shifting the blame to more and more foods until you find yourself left in this space that only ice and water are something that you can safely, you know, tolerate, right? So another way that you might be unknowingly adopting an elimination diet is through the influence of diet culture or, you know, the freaking news media or social media's misleading health advice. So this advice, what it does is it often fixates on really demonizing certain foods, you know, like red meat, just really focusing on all the possible and all of the out of context negative effects that it can have in your life. And then it just urges you to avoid it completely or it makes you feel like a fool if you're the one that continues to eat that product. So you also might be advised it might be it's not red meat maybe it's like dairy right because oh my god it's so pro-inflammatory like you'd have to be crazy if you have gut issues to be having dairy or maybe you need to eliminate gluten because it's you know of course gluten's like this root cause of everything that's wrong with your diet and these diet culture and media's misleading advice it can be fueled right by these attention grabbing headlines and just that pursuit to get the next story and to and to grab the next um, headline right and what this can do is it can inadvertently steer you towards unintentionally following an elimination diet that was never really part of your initial plan So the third way that you might be unintentionally following an elimination diet is through your recent dieting attempts. So often what we do is we kind of resort to an elimination diet to try to reduce our our overall calorie intake. And this happens because we self-cut out dessert or bread, or sugar, or, you know, all forms of carbohydrates. And a lot of different diets, a lot of the fad diets, 
have capitalized on this style of an elimination diet. You know, this is things like Atkins or keto or paleo or Whole30 and countless other diets that have followed this same pattern. Their primary selling point, it revolves around the idea that by eliminating what they've determined to be bad foods, that your body will then be able to function optimally and it will then lead to weight loss. And there's even more extreme examples of this where, you know, something like the cabbage soup diet. I mean, talk about a fad diet and other things and crazy schemes that promote eating only one or two different food options for days or weeks at a time. This is just totally crazy to me, right? I mean, we're talking even juice cleanses here follow that same thought process where they're asserting these big universal claims that like, oh my God, if you eliminate certain foods, which are bad foods from your regular diet, that it's going to be beneficial for your overall well-being. These diets, they thrive on the idea that restricting food choices will yield positive results. The more restrictive, the better off you're going to be, the quicker you're going to be able to lose weight. So, Those are the reasons and that's how you might be following an elimination already and not even know it. So what are the actual risks of an elimination diet? Because I also don't want you to leave here thinking that I'm telling you that elimination diets are bad because I honestly, I don't think that they are. But there needs to be some understanding coming into the use of them. So risk number one of an elimination diet is absolutely first and foremost is nutrient deprivation. So if you're restricting certain foods that might be rich in fat or zinc or selenium or B vitamins or, you know, rich in whatever nutrient, what you're doing is you're risking putting your body into a condition where you're going to have increased symptom development just simply because you don't have the nutrients For your systems, you know, like behind the scenes, the ones that are running your body, you're not going to have the ability. And if you are unclear on this, go back to the episode where we talked about um, micronutrients and genetics. And just remember that those vitamins and minerals, it's like the gear oil that are making sure that these gears... This, this network of gears within your body are running smoothly. Without the gear oil, those gears, they seize. So if you're not having adequate nutrients on a day-to-day basis, what happens is you are risking symptom development and eventually chronic disease. So sometimes it can be the micronutrients that are impacted, but sometimes it can even be more larger group, you know, your macronutrients that are impacted. So you can have fat that can be eliminated. Protein can be eliminated. Carbohydrates can be eliminated. But each of these nutrients, these macronutrients, it holds unique properties and it holds unique vitamins and unique minerals and amino acids and fatty acids that are there for a purpose, to nourish your body and to benefit you in very important ways. So without them, we need to be strategic and careful to avoid doing our body more harm than good, right? You can't just pull them out and expect your body to function normally. It doesn't work like that. So risk two of an elimination diet is thinking that foods are good and bad. 
So there's just no such thing as a universally good or a universally bad food. So even foods that are so classically targeted like sugar and soy and gluten, these foods are not bad. And they're also not universally good either. But when we categorize foods as bad, what this does is it leads to that unfortunate side effect of only wanting them more because we're humans with human brains. And when you say no to our brain, that means, oh, it's a challenge to figure out how to make it a yes, (laughs) right? And we all have the same human brain. We all have that same response. So also what it can do when you categorize foods as bad is it can lead to guilt when you do have the food. And it can lead to even that binge eating type behavior when you finally give in to the desire to indulge in that food that you do actually love. So good food then, so that was kind of bad food, right? Good food though, it can turn into this thing that's overdone, right? Because you can never have too much of a good thing. This was, I think this is like for me, it was most notably seen with like the snack well evolution in the 90s where it's like these cookies are good for you and then I mean I must have seen my mom go through like at least a box of night uh, of these cookies and because it's good it's good for me right and and I can have something that's good for me in abundance and I'm not going to have any negative side effects but what this can do is it can turn your body um, and it can cause your body to begin to build an intolerance to those things that were once thought of as like good and even things as good as like peaches or avocado or something that if you have it in abundance, if you have it like every single day because you can't get enough of it, chances are you're going to build symptoms because of it. And it's going to then leave you further like confused and frustrated because you're like, oh my God, I tolerated peaches and avocados totally fine. And now I don't. What can I eat? Everything I can't eat, you know, so and it's going to like lead into this spiral of, again, avoiding more and more uh, different food items. So risk three of an elimination diet is uh, getting into that, you know, less is better, that quick results type diet mentality. So this is what prompted some of you to follow that cabbage soup diet or to do a celery juice cleanse back in the day. Because if you eliminate more food, then you're just naturally going to get quicker results. And can we please just like take a pause and um, stop this? Stop this quick weight loss type diet attempts. When have they ever worked? And when I say worked, what I mean is sustainable results where your behaviors have changed and you've actually been able to uh, see foods and use foods differently in your life. Like, sure, you might have been able to lose a quick five pounds or a quick 50 pounds, you know, but inevitably you're going to gain it all back and you're going to probably gain back more because you haven't adopted the lifestyle and kind of the background curriculum in order to make it a lifestyle. You can easily get yourself in trouble with these quick fix style elimination diets because it's very easy to fall into that scheme of less options, less food options means easier weight loss. So now that we've talked about what an elimination diet looks like more in that real life context, what are the, and we've talked about what the risks are when following one, and 
about how to use elimination diets kind of wisely and effectively. Now I just want to kind of put in this quick plug that I'm actually a strong advocate of a well-planned and a well-targeted elimination diet. (laughs) So I'm just throwing that out there. I know I've been hating on elimination diets for a little bit now, but they're actually very beneficial in the correct context. And I actually use a form of an elimination diet in my program called an oligoantigenic diet. So this food protocol, this is actually the first phase within my synergistic lifestyle program. And it often lasts, you know, anywhere between six to eight weeks, depending on how your body reacts to the protocol. So what it does is it begins with a lab test. In this lab test, it helps us to establish a starting point. Because quite frankly, without the lab test, we have no idea where to start you. Because everyone's immune system, it reacts differently to different foods. And you've really got to know where you fall in your reactivity before I can recommend a starting point. I would just be guessing. Like nobody likes a shotgun approach because it just doesn't give you those targeted results. So then, you know, within that first two weeks, that phase one, then you're going to be limited. You really are to about 20 to 30 foods with the intention of carefully calming your immune system to the point of having as few symptoms as possible. And then we carefully and methodically bring in as many foods as possible back into your diet as we carefully listen to your body's response. Notice here that the goal is not to keep bringing foods out and to target foods as bad. The goal is to give you as many foods as possible in your life as possible. So this is the first way to effectively use an elimination diet. You really have to approach it like a scientist. There's This is not like this emotional struggle of desperately trying to feel better, which is how many of you approach elimination diets. It's like this last case resort, this frustrated like, oh, I guess I have to pull this food out now. And if you approach an elimination diet in this way where you're just this emotional mess, you will 100% of the time mask any of the results that you receive. Just like a scientist, you have to make a hypothesis. You take an educated guess what you think is going to happen. You develop this methodical plan in order to test this hypothesis carefully and objectively. And then once you have this well-thought-out plan, now you get to execute the plan, right? And you execute this plan with 100% compliance or as close to 100% compliance as possible. With With minimal compliance comes minimally impactful answers. And you're in it for the answers, right? You want to understand your body. When you execute this plan, this plan has to be objective, emotion-free, And you have to approach it with curiosity. No judgment. No guessing what foods you're going to react to ahead of time. You have to hold space for the possibility that maybe your hypothesis is wrong. And that's okay. And I'm telling you, I would say 75% of the time, my clients have no idea what they're reacting to. They have all the guesses in the world. But time and time and time and time again, I prove them wrong right? So you really have to hold space that your hypothesis coming into this story might totally be wrong. 
But if you approach an elimination diet emotionally and with judgment towards yourself or judgment towards the foods that you're eliminating, chances are that you're just setting yourself up for a future of symptoms and a future of food fear. It's just not a fun place to be. And many of my clients, they have this a really hard time objectively approaching their own food plan. And what this does is it causes them to miss the obvious answers that their bodies are giving them. That's when a second pair of eyes observing symptoms and food journals and observing life circumstances, that is what can be as valuable as gold. Somebody having that objective, emotion-free view of everything that's going on. A well-thought-out elimination diet, it can help you to learn the skill of listening to your body, and it can help you to be empowered to know how to make those wise food choices for your body. But the most important part of an elimination diet, besides, of course, 100% compliance, I mean, come on, people, right? That's a very important part of an elimination diet. But the second part is that you have to, in tandem, be incorporating the skill of managing your mind so that you have true symptom reduction and you have these crystal clear, beautiful food reactions. So another way that you can use an elimination diet is to make sure, so step one was approach it like a scientist, right? So step two is to make sure that you like the reasons why you're doing it in the first place. Are you eliminating particular foods because you think they're bad for you? And that you're better off without them? Are you eliminating particular foods because you think that you're going to be able to lose weight easier? Are you eliminating certain foods because you think that they make you feel crappy, but you just don't know if it's true? Like, what are your reasons for eliminating these foods from your life? And I really want you to dig into this, right? And listen what's actually true for you because your brain's going to totally offer you up some BS reasons just to appease you. And I want you to dig in and to listen to what's true and to at least come into an elimination diet being 100% honest with yourself. And once you're honest with yourself, begin to question that truth. Like, is what your brain coming up with as the reasons why you're doing this elimination diet, is it true? Could the opposite be true? Do I like the emotions and actions I'm taking from thinking this thought? Always take time to fact check yourself, right? So an example of this could be like you eliminating bread from your diet. And the reasons that you're telling yourself is because it just seems to make you feel bloated. You tend to overdo it. And the media is always telling you anyway how bad bread is for you. So you might as well take it out of your diet. And this is where I need you to take a pause. And I need you to just simply inspect these thoughts that you're having coming into this potential elimination. Bread, so you have the thought, right? Okay, bread makes me bloat. Is it true? Do you know with 100% certainty that it's true? Can you have small amounts and not bloat? Is it the bread that's causing the bloat? Or is that the context, is it the circumstances that my life is in that's causing me to bloat. Next, the thought that you had is, well, I overdo bread when I eat it. 
I think, number one, this thought totally just sucks because it's alluding to this idea that bread has control over you, right? That I just overdo it when bread's in the room or when bread gets put on a table in front of me. It's like I just lose control. But there's no way to overdo bread unless you choose to. And then we always want to ask then, well, what makes you choose to overdo bread? Next thought, bread is bad for me, right? Oh my God. Do we know this to be 100% true? What if you want bread in your life? Is bread a hard no for you because you know for a fact it just does not do well with your system? Because quite frankly, many of us, we want bread in our lives. And what we instead want to be able to do is manage our mind and our emotions when we're in the same room with it or at the same table with it so that we don't indulge um, time and time again in our desire for more. So make sure you like your reasons for why you choose to eliminate something. Because if you don't, what you're doing is you're setting yourself up to just binge on it in the future. And finally, using an elimination diet effectively will always include a pre-planned period of time for you to follow it and then carefully reassess if it actually was effective. So this is like you're laying out this safety net for yourself just in case you get trapped in that guilt of giving up or that failure when you bring this food back into your life. You know, if you're the person that's like, that's it pulling bread out of my life, never having bread again, and then all of a sudden you're like eating bread again, your brain can have a heyday with that, you know, making sure to tell you about what a failure you are, how you gave up on yourself, and you know, all the shenanigans. So if you plan an elimination diet where you're cutting out gluten to see if you have reduced symptoms and to see if you feel less inflamed, you need to decide when you're going to start this plan and when you're going to stop this plan. You need to keep careful and very detailed food journals and detailed circumstance journals. So what I mean by that is it's the context of your day. What was going on? Is there any correlation to the symptoms that you're experiencing um, based on, you know, what's going on in your life? And you need to keep a detailed symptom journal. What was the actual symptoms? What was going on? And then reassess and compare all of those things to each other to determine if you indeed did have a symptom reduction or not. Did removing gluten do anything? If so, let's fact check it, right? Bring it back in for three days in a row. And always make sure that you choose when you're going to reassess. And then make sure to double check those results that you obtained are actually correct. So for those of you that have IBS or fibromyalgia, autoimmune conditions, POTS, Ehlers-Danlos, colitis, migraines, lupus, like you name it, all of those inflammatory related conditions, I know you need to hear this. Please be careful with your elimination diet because sometimes it's not the avoidance of food that's causing your symptom relief. And Sometimes it's not the eating of a particular food that's causing your symptoms. This, there can be so much noisy chatter going on within your body that it's hard to distinguish one noise from another. And a lot of the time that noisy chatter is coming from the thing between your ears that's not being managed very well. 
Your body, it might be yelling at you to stop doing something. But when you, you, when you can't hear it through that noisy symptom ruckus that you've got going on, you're going to miss it every single time. If you're tired of your body feeling like this loud, noisy, and symptom-filled room, please head on over to yourlivinghealth.com. Let's hop on a call together. So there, what we're going to talk about is what's been going on, right? And what you've tried and what's worked and what hasn't worked. And it'll be my job to help you to gain that crystal clear clarity over your unique situation and help you to figure out what your next steps should be. Sometimes we talk about working together. Sometimes we don't talk about working together because quite frankly, sometimes I'm just not the best person for the job. It really does depend on you, what you've got going on and everything that you're looking to achieve. So that's all I have about elimination diets. I'll talk to you next week. Bye. Hey, change is hard and doing it without professional guidance can make it seem impossible. If you're willing to do the work, I can make your path to longevity straight and strategic. Take the first step, head on over to yourlivinghealth.com and book your free consult so we can chat about your unique situation. And please take a second or two and leave me a review. Thank you for your interest in reducing your chronic inflammation and I'll talk to you next week. Bye.